It's um, Kalitas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Marshall Sutcliffe walks up to us. Like, we're, we had just started, you know, setting up and whatever. And he goes, I'm not calling it Kalitas. I can't say it. It's Cletus. And it's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying on stream. And he's just like, that's what's happening. You know? So the whole stream, he's going, and Cletus and Cletus. They were like, you know, Wizards was calling. Like, because they watched that. They're like, can we get him to say Kalitas? Finally, he, he starts going like, Kalitas, you know, and like saying it out. Welcome to episode number 38 of Let's Remember Some Cards, the magic podcast that's here to remember the cards, decks, and stories that make magic the game we love. Hello, I'm David Prestwood. And I'm Christian Wright. Today we welcome to the show a special guest for one of our signature shows, A Signature Spellbook. Please welcome the Magic Community's resident skilled animator and Channel Fireball's senior graphics designer, Jeffrey Palmer. Jeffrey, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm Jeffrey Palmer. Uh, you know, planes walking in from God knows where in the multiverse. I <laughs> might remember a card or two, but I'll, I'll leave that to you. And uh, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. So. No, we're very excited to have you. I should point out how this started. I saw you tweet, hey, there's these signature spell books. This is, these are the eight cards that would be in my signature spell book. And I said, huh, there's some synergy here. This is a thing that we do. Indeed. Do you want to talk about it in a podcast? And you jumped at the chance, and we really <laughs> appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah, I've got definitely some magic cards that have shaped my uh, life, career, and uh, gotten me into the little bit of a fix that I'm in today where, unfortunately, I have to do this kind of thing full time. So I'm more than happy <laughs> to share the tale of woe uh, that ended me here, and uh, you know it's it's a pretty exciting yarn. All right, well, uh, welcome to our show. Welcome to my basement. You are one of the many content creators in the Minneapolis area, so we get to do this in person, which is always excellent. Minneapolis represent. This is the hotbed of content creation and magic, and the uh, it's amazing. Love it up here. Is it, yeah. Is it the cold? Is that it why? might be the cold. There's nothing better to do than stay in, and you know uh, everybody gets their uh, snow cards out, and we just play magic. That's right. Oh, and there we go. In a pinch, you can burn them. Yeah, so. <laughs> you oh, that's certainly true. can. No problem there. I've got a yeah. lot of uh, what is the one one trample the badger. Uh oh, better remember this charging badger. Well, yeah, charging and, yeah. badger. Yeah, funny you remember that card. That's uh, animated by myself in the opening of the Loading Ready Run LLRMTG show. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, I have a large <laughs> stack of those that are just ready for the flame in case. Yeah, you lose. good card. Very silly. That's right. Well, speaking of uh, Loading Ready Run and other content creators, I first learned about your work from the Command Zone podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they thanked you every week for the living card animations that you did. And I was not watching the video podcast at that point, but listening to the audio. And I said, okay, I got to go check these out. And turns out they were awesome. So <laughs> Thank congratulations, you. Thank you. you do great work. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. How did you get started doing motion graphics for Magic Content? Yeah, it was um, it was kind of an amazing thing that started to happen. Once I sort of had established myself doing just the fan animations, you know, on the side, posting them on Reddit and all that type of stuff, I realized that people might want to do something with these. So I, I don't actually remember if it was them who reached out or if I reached out to them. Um, but I was talking to a lot of people at that point, and they said, can we use some of your... Uh, animations. We're just kind of getting started ourselves. We can't really pay you, but we'll thank you. And they have thanked me in every single episode of the Command Zone, and it has meant the world to me. You know, when I was first getting started, I would literally just put the show on and then go to the end and thank you, Jeffrey Palmer. You know, and it was just such a thrill. And now that those guys have become, you know, 
the mecca content creators that they are yeah uh to still be a part of it is is amazing i i would do more if i had time i currently work with them doing i do all the windows if you watch their show game nights yeah. all the animations oh, of yeah. the, the windows yeah. that are that are played behind the players so it's a small way to keep in touch i, I love uh, josh working with josh lee Kwai. he's an awesome guy and, and uh and jimmy the other host there and um yeah, so, so getting started, it was just kind of taking what I had learned from about 10 years of uh, doing motion graphics for TV commercials, which was fine, but I was getting a little burnt out looking for something else to do, and I started applying it to Magic Cards, and yeah, it just kind of blossomed into this thing that everybody wanted uh, to put behind their content, to have intros, and I was kind of the only one doing it at the time. Yeah. There's really not very many people doing it now, and everybody who, who's done a few things I know, and you know, we kind of share ideas a little bit. We're, we're not really a community, just a couple of guys. But uh, yeah, it, it ended up being something that was a very much in demand, and nobody was doing it, so I sort of stepped in right. It was my story of I, I, right place, right time, mm-hmm. and uh, that it meant that I got to work with pretty much everybody th- that you've seen throughout any of the Magic community. Anybody who plays Magic, I'm pretty confident that if they have watched any content, they've seen something I've done. And that's just a cool feeling at this point, you know, several years down the road. It's awesome. I definitely have recognized your work in a bunch of different content creator videos. And then Channel Fireball brought you in-house. Yes. And you have really established a brand for Channel Fireball. When you see graphics on Twitter or on their articles, it's it's very clearly branded and something looks like Channel Fireball, something that they never had before. So that's really exciting. And that, again, it's great work. Oh, I so appreciate that. And that's kind of what I was brought in to do and uh, kind of define the the look of the brand. Um, And it's been amazing. They they, uh, had me doing a couple of years of work freelance for them before we we were able to make it work full time. Um, but the, the trust that they've given me and put in me to, to come up with new ideas and, you know, I, I'm doing the, uh, the highest level of our, defining our brand to all mm-hmm. of our customers down to making memes and, you know, they, right. they trust me to, you know, this is funny. Uh, and, and here we go. We'll put it up and, and see what happens. Uh, it doesn't always go smoothly. You know, I made a little bit too much fun of uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor. We did a little uh, tender parody and that didn't go over well. But hey, you know, for all of the, uh, the misses, we have 10, 20, 30 hits. So I, I'm happy to say it's been, a, it's been a very good relationship so far. And, uh, and long may it continue because we're, we're doing great. It's great that you established that brand because as far as magic content sites go, you look at Star City and you look at TCG players, they're two big main ones because they're, you know, that's what everyone thinks of. And Channel Fireball definitely stands out. And I'm not saying that to kiss, kiss ass. Like, legitimately, like, you go to a Star City Games and you're like, eh, they have the writers, <laughs> but there's nothing that really stands out. Well, Channel Fireball definitely has has the iconography and visuals really down pat. And it's a pleasure and a treat to read it every day. I check it every day to read it. I so appreciate it that. They realized early on, long before I got there, um, that having good content was going to keep people coming back. And, you know, eventually if people buy cards, great. But we're fortunate to work with, I want to say, the best content creators in the Magic community. People who write deck lists, people who, you know, run the numbers. Frank Carson is going to tell you how many lands you need in this and that. And um, just any facet of the game to make you better or enjoy it more, not just from the pro scene. Uh, in fact, you know, a little plug here, but we just launched a commander newsletter with Eric Levine, level three judge and commander veteran. The and Machine Levine. The right? Machine Levine. And, right. uh, so you can sign up. It's totally casual, you know, and it's only commander decks. And uh, he's just talking about all the new hotness that's coming out in the format. I think he's got some 
Yawgmoth craziness coming up from <laughs> Modern Horizons. So um, we we don't just cater to the pro scene, even though we, we have all the top players there. It's it's all kinds of stuff. So for me to get to come in, my day is literally just a pick'em of what I want to work on for uh, you know articles, video content, any kind of thing, uh, just to, to make people's presentation better and get them the message out there. Yeah, and I should note here, as somebody who visits ChannelFireball.com often, um, it's all free. It's all free, just 100% free, and you know we've talked about this and that, and and we don't have any plans to monetize the, uh, you know, there's an ad, go buy a card in the corner, but we're, we're not going to put our stuff behind a paywall, and um, we just want you to come and and learn, and you know if you if you want to leave a comment on there about something you learn, we love it. It's about it's about the community. We just launched a Discord that we're building up, and you know just people coming in and uh, you know sharing their their stuff from whether they're approaching it from a pro angle or, or totally a casual stance um we want you to be able to come to channel Fire, fireball and uh, find out what you're looking for well listeners we are not sponsored by channelfireball.com but uh you can take uh-huh. that as a ringing endorsement <laughs> and, and a very much appreciated one absolutely yeah. absolutely really seriously listeners check out channelfireball.com uh it is worth the read they always have something good every day i'm also glad you got the magic the puzzling because i never can figure that out um but me let's either go to the, yeah no it, <laughs> i'm not i told them player. i said i said guys okay look let's get a little side puzzle going for the people that go i have a creature and they don't have a blocker and i attack and i win and that's just mm-hmm. put that up and i'll still struggle with it and so far, they've, you know, no, and people love it, so I'm, I'm in the minority. <laughs> As an aside, I should note, so in the 90s, Wizards published a Magic the Puzzling book mm, mm-hmm. many years ago. Uh, like yeah, I still have a copy of this, and I will <sighs> tell you, with the rules, the way they've changed now, some of the puzzles are especially challenging. Unbelievable. Think about, I like, believe it, man. How do I have to mana burn myself? Yeah. How do I have to... <laughs> this is pre the stack. Woo! There's a famous one with, um, I remember this very distinctly because I was young and it blew my mind, but there was a solution that involved you going down to zero, I think, two or three times in a turn. No. Okay, so you're going to go down to zero first, then something's going to happen, but you go down to zero again, but you're still fine, and you're like, oh, Oh, no. You could go down to zero in those days? Oh, sure. I don't even know that. Yeah. As long as you didn't end your turn on zero or something like that? As long as you didn't end the phase. Okay. Don't end the phase on zero. That's yeah, that would be a mistake. Yeah, there was a combo deck with Doomsday, and mm-hmm. the whole thing was if you you could Doomsday down to zero life, or not Doomsday, Infernal Contract down to zero. Okay, life. okay, and it doesn't okay. matter because you just keep drawing three cards. So essentially, it was pay three black, draw three, draw five, three or five or whatever the number on it was. It was stupid. It was just like okay, so that's awesome. So everyone, check out Channel Fireball and also check out the other stuff uh, Jeffrey has done with his animations. They're absolutely fantastic. But let's get to the meat of this. Today we're going to talk to Jeffrey about his own personal signature spellbook. But, as always, before we get to that, like we do every week, let's fire up the random card button on Scryfall and let's remember that. Okay, this week's card is a good one. Christian, your random card button has really been firing lately. It is Valakut the Molten Pinnacle. Although this is the Magic Online promo version, so I'm a little down on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a land it enters the battlefield tapped, and it says whenever a mountain enters the battlefield under your control, if you control at least five other mountains, you may have Valakit the Molted Pinnacle deal three damage to any target. Also, it taps for a red mana. Seems fine. Yeah, yeah. seems fine. Uh, nobody just sticks this in their deck 
to casually deal three if they have five other mountains. That's not how this works. It's a red card, so inherently it's better than any of the other colors. And, you know, I guess technically it's not, but it makes red mana. Wow, well, that is but the thing a is, very hot take. With, it's usually played with green cards, right? Like, it's never played with I guess with so, yeah. Cards. Occasionally we have to lean on other colors to get there, but... So this is normally used with a card called Scapeshift um, in Modern and also Primeval Titan. So Scapeshift is basically two green-green for sorcery, sacrifice any number of lands, and then search your library for that many number of lands and put them to play tapped. And then Prime Time, as he's called, is a four green green six six trampler that enters battlefield two lands oh yeah these are the they fetch valakuts and they usually hit you in the face it's very very annoying I, i'm not a not a big fan of them love prime time prime time's a good one but it's, valakut it's a... so this was part of also part of a cycle of lands in zinnikar that mm. were monocolored so they had there was amiri the sky ruin there's orin reef the vastwood crypt of agadim and then the blue one which no one will ever talk about because i don't can't even remember what it is it's probably not very good <laughs> if even you guys can't remember it it's got to be bad fair oh it's it's pretty bad they uh, all had different effects static effects and other abilities and this was the red one you know it's just a way to kill your opponent out of nowhere it's uh fun fact this is the one tier magic deck i have never ever played against in modern mm. really yeah never never huh. seen it i've Keep lost waiting it. yeah yeah it's just yeah. not happening for me it's not fun because you don't really feel like you played any magic they just That's sort true. of won i like some 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 decks do but uh, I, I mean generally i'm comboing off on turn three or four so they're sure. not gonna get to valakut it's not too bad so sure yeah well i like that the- it's magic online it's cute mm. which yeah. i've never installed one time remember this <laughs> Uh, I installed Magic Online. This is my Magic Online story. Yeah. And I played a sealed event, mm-hmm. and I got reimbursed for it because of some Magic Online errors. Sure. So then I played a second sealed event, which I got reimbursed for, and then I played a third sealed event, which, guess what, I got reimbursed for. And then I said, I think I'm, I think I'm good. We're, yeah. we're done. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never installed the program. I took one look at it, and uh, wow. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's a little, little, uh, little hairy. Thank God for Magic Arena. Magic Arena came on yep. just at the right time. The trick with Valakut, by the way, is you don't destroy the Valakut when it comes to play. If you're ever comboing against it, you destroy the mountain that triggers it. Mm, and that right. turns it off because they need to have at least five of their mountains. So it's a random trick. It was uh, found out in the Cobblade era because it, it was the only deck that could beat Cobblade. And... Oh, there was a second deck in that era. Good to know. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. It was Valakut. That was it. Moving on from that, after our last two episodes with Mythic Champion Eli Loveman and a lot of time talking about cards with uh, the creature type Human, we're getting back <laughs> to a more diverse selection of cards. Today we're going to talk about Jeffrey's signature spellbook. So listeners, following on Wizards of the Coast 2018 release of the 8-card supplemental product signature spellbook Jace, we've been asking our guests to tell us the 8 cards that would be in their own personal signature spellbook. So, Jeffrey, these can be cards that mean something to you personally, cards you just love, whatever you want. So, listeners, let's buckle up for Signature Spellbook, Jeffrey Palmer. So, how should we start? How did you pick these cards? Did you have any help coming up with this list, or are these just things that jumped out at you right away? Jumped out at me right away. I didn't I didn't spend too much time on it uh, before I picked the eight. I, I had a couple that I, that I trimmed. Yeah, I just kind of kind of posted my signature spellbook for a little fun on on Twitter and got some responses and and obviously uh, got to come hang out with you guys. But it was I picked four cards from kind of the beginning of when I started playing Magic, uh, which was when I was in middle school, high school, 
around the Tempest through the Urza's uh, saga, you know, Urza's Destiny era. Um, so not a not a huge amount of time spent playing Magic, but back then was when I started. And then four cards from now that kind of influenced how my life is going currently and, and how my career has gone. So kind of a, a good representation of my whole experience with Magic and my story. Great. All right, well, what is the first card in your signature spellbook? All right, so we'll dive right in with Anger of the Gods. Now, the card itself, I'm told, is is pretty good, uh, but our, our story all starts when I was at the Pro Tour Theros. No, I'm kidding. I was sitting in my basement on Reddit, <laughs> literally just looking at the Magic subreddit like we all do. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> sure enough... There was Noah Bradley, who, who the Noah Bradley is, he's got his little, uh, you know, flavor tag on, on Reddit, and he had posted a little pixel art that he had done of Anger of the Gods, just a random post, just trying some stuff out as we do and throwing some things up and kind of had a little loop on it of the rain coming down. And I was thinking, you know, I was sitting there at my desk uh, having done some TV commercials and I was bored and I thought, well, what if I just took the uh, the actual art, you know, having seen the magic trailers, uh, which were very cool back then, the, the kind of flavorful set trailers that they did, and, you know, actually turned it into a real animation where it did something and looked like a little movie. So I spent the rest of the day cutting it apart, tearing out each little uh, fireball and painting over them and turning it into all the layers, which is my process, still is today. And uh, I, I animated it. I was like, this looks really cool. I think this will get some notice, but had no expectations for it. Posted it on, on the Magic subreddit, and it just exploded. I mean, literally, uh, like, the, you know, like the card itself. Uh, it, it shot up to the top echelons of the sub all time, and Noah Bradley himself said it looked really cool. And it just kind of was, was a, you know, eye-opening for me. This could be a thing. This is something I could do that people will be excited about. I had no idea it was ever going to make me any money or get me into, you know, any kind of content creation or, or any of that. None of that came right away. Um, but Anger of the Guards was where it all started. With that one animation, I kind of set down my marker, who I was and who I would eventually become in the Magic community. So, very special card to me. Well, we will link to that animation. I remember the first time I saw it, I was blown away. I mean, <laughs> I loved the art in this card in the first place because when you look at the card itself, the art feels like it's in motion. There's exactly. This guy hiding as the you know rain is coming down, and you could just picture he's like, "What is happening to mm -hmm. me right now?" Mm -hmm. And so the animation really captures that as well. Let me read the card. So it is one red red for a sorcery. Anger of the Gods deals three damage to each creature. If a creature dealt damage this way would die this turn, you exile it instead. And you really feel that from the card. It's like anything that is out in this firestorm is not just getting dead. Gone, it is, gone. It is out. It is done. Since you mentioned the, the guy, one of the comments that I got, and this has kind of become a joke between me and some of the people who know me pretty well, but anytime I post something on Reddit, I inevitably get some kind of outlandish critique of you know people wanting to inject, <laughs> inject their own opinion onto things. And I animated the, the poor bloke uh, sort, of, sort of rising up mm -hmm. instead of cowering, and people just, this one person took massive offense that he he would be rising and I said well no yeah I think he's accepting his fate that uh, the gods have have cursed him and you know and so that was the first and one of the last times that I ever got engaged in a reddit argument because I don't <laughs> think it ends up going anywhere for you so we learned a lot 
I mean, as someone who likes to argue on the internet, I think mm-hmm. it's possible to take the draw in turns. Yeah. But that's the best you can hope for. The best. So you talk about you doing the multiple layers. What is involved in the process exactly for animating these cards? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've talked about this in a couple of other places, but this the simplest explanation is you're taking something that is flat, that looks like it isn't flat, but it really is flat, just like any any uh, piece of imagery or, or uh, a movie, and you're, you're going to give it the illusion of depth. So I have to tear it apart and I mean that quite literally if I, I've joked before if some of the artists could see what happens to their cards in my process <laughs> of animating them they'd just be horrified because if I move somebody's arm you know I move it away there's a giant hole there so I have to stitch their cards literally back together using the rest of their art and I'm not an artist so it's a lot of photoshop uh, photographic trickery to, to kind of really recreate everything that I want to move. If I want to move anything at all, it has to be its own layer and its own um, piece on the composition. So just looking at Anger of the Gods, if you wanting to pull up the animation and then watch this as I go along, all the pieces of fire, I had to paint those out. I took about 15 of the actual individual fire streaks, built a particle simulation to, in motion graphics, simulate them falling out of the sky, Composited stock footage for every piece of fire that you see. Cut the tree out, cut the uh, man out, and then added uh, a camera move that creates what we call the parallax effect, mm-hmm. where that things mm-hmm. are closer to you move a little faster than things are far away from you. You can see this when you're driving down the road and, and the, uh, you know, the trees nearby are wishing past you, but far in the distance, the clouds and, and then the mountains are moving very slow. That's a trick that's been used since the dawn of the motion camera to create depth. So I, I, I do that with the scene a lot of a lot of times I've been doing loops lately, so I don't do as much depth. But um, some of my earlier animations, you can really see how far I tried to push it uh, with flying through scenes and really creating an actual a piece of a, a scene rather than um, just just looking at the card itself. It's quite involved. It takes I think Anger of the Gods took you know eight hours over a couple of days and uh you know some of them go quicker but it's there's no shortcuts because if you want to do it right you've got to got to spend the time on it oh that makes sense it's great too that the first card that you did is a card that was legitimately played Mm -hmm. it's a Mm -hmm. great card it's funny that we got valakit for our random card today because this is played in the main deck in yeah absolutely because it's perfect yeah it's it's perfect it's exactly what they want to do but you know this is a sideboard all-star especially with decks like humans out there you know the last two weeks we've talked to eli loveman about humans decks and it just kills all the humans so is it phoenix jund blue moon grixis control the through the breach decks um a couple of different death shadow decks all play this in the sideboard in multiples because they need to kill things. And so mm-hmm. this art has become iconic because it is regularly yep. played. There's a big yep. standard player too. And, you know, when this card showed up, it was played when the Ravnica block was legal. It was played through the, mm-hmm. the cons block. Um, and so a lot of people have familiarity with it, with this card. And I think that that was probably one of the reasons people took note is, um, oh, hey, I recognize this, but the way you've done this looks different and looks interesting and really draws you in. Yeah, absolutely. And it being by Noah Bradley, one of the more yes. prolific and vocal people uh, out there in the magic community, um, he's he's a good guy. I've met him uh, a couple of times, and, and um, he had some advice as I was getting started. I said, Noah, you know, if I want to be somebody, what do I do? And he said, well, Jeffrey... 
just be more famous. Just whatever you're doing, be more fa And that sort of worked out because I said, well, okay, I'll take steps to try and do that. But I loved how bluntly he put that. Yeah, if you want to be somebody that people care about and, and get notice, uh, just do it. All right. and, and off we went. Well, it seems like it's worked out very well for you. It's done okay in, in the small, weird pond that is Magic the Gathering and the community. You know, I, I people have seen my stuff, so I'm very happy yeah. and uh, hashtag blessed to have been a part of that. That's right. It's a small, weird pond, but it's exactly. our small, It's weird our pond. weird pond. Yep. And I'm the biggest brush wag in it, as it were. So uh, let's move transitioning. on to the second card, one of my absolute favorite cards. So we're still in the realm of uh, my magic rebirth when I came back to magic uh, as an adult. And um, this was the first card. I have no idea how I came across it. I was looking for cards to animate, looking, you know, I had only done serious cards. I had done... Um, like Liliana, the heretical healer into Defiant Necromancer, and I had done Anger of the Gods and Time Reversal and these grandiose, beautiful art pieces. And I thought that's what I was going to do because I was, you know, I would only Google what is the most beautiful magic art of all time. But I came across Brushwag and just burst out laughing. And I, I can't believe how much I love this card because it it's a one of in all tell me if i'm wrong in in all the multiverse there's only one brushwag you are correct and it's never yep. been seen before or since and he's just the cutest little fellow who's completely you know in you, you think about uh uh evolutionarily what a creature might need to survive and this creature has none of it except for maybe the claws <laughs> if something like happened to get near him <laughs> I don't know how possibly he survived um, so I just saw it and I thought okay so I can make him he's going to sit there and try to roll or he, I think I in, in the original one I had him flip into the scene uh, and then I duplicated him a few times and had some little baby brush wags so that we don't want to get into the intricacies of how they're conceived but obviously we got to have little brush wags rolling around so a bunch go rolling past and it wasn't a huge hit, but it was huge for me because I, I, that was my first step into the absurdity of the whole thing. And since then, I have many other cards uh, that I love that, that border on the absurd. Yeah, and Brushwag is just ridiculous. So mm -hmm. it's one green green for a 3-2 uh, Brushwag. It's the name and the creature type. Yes. And whenever it blocks or becomes blocked, it gets... Minus two, plus two until end of turn. So it just becomes a one four. And it's like, why is this even happening? By the way, this card is on the reserve list. This was mm. a rare in Mirage. No way. Can you imagine opening that? You would quit right there on the spot. I mean, I don't know. It is like a leopard in a tumbleweed. So maybe yeah. that excited some people. Oh, boy. This, it excited me. This has become a running joke on our show. I fit right in here. I yeah. feel so at home. It, it, I mean, it is the only card with a creature type, and we are always begging wizards. When are we getting another brushwag? Absolutely. These uh, changelings are no. not cutting it. No, forget about we it. We want a, a card that is only a brushwag. I mean, I'll take another creature type. I'll take a brushwag ninja. I'll sure, take a brushwag yeah. rebel. But it's the only brushwag. Well, I want a brushwag. You know how they used to have like they had greater werewolf and lesser werewolf. I'll take a greater brushwag mm -hmm. or a lesser brushwag. Ooh. Oh yeah, absolutely! Come on, we got it with the homunculus. There's a whole, you know, race of uh, totally lost is another one of my absolute favorite cards, mm -hmm. and uh, it didn't make the list. It was close, 
But, you know, Fibblethip has had his day. He's a planeswalker now, for heaven's sakes. When Ugh. is it going to happen for the lowly Brushwag? Right. Or Brushwag. Brushwag. So Look at him. Brushwag, it turns out, is one of nine creature types where they're only on one card. Wow. Um, the other ones are Dreadnought, Ferret, Lamia, Mole, Oyster, Sable, Sponge, and Wombat. And a lot of those are great. But none of them are just as magical as the Brushwag. Because I'm sorry, Brushwag is not a thing. Like, it's not a thing outside of the Magic Universe. They just Mm -mm. created this thing and then they left it there. Yeah, it's amazing. When you walk into a Magic Fest and you hear, you know, you, you see your people and you hear what their conversations are talking about. They're using words that don't exist, and and none more clearly illustrates that than the word brushwag. It's just beautiful, the whole thing, top to bottom. And my last, uh, you know, thing about brushwag, to get a little sentimental for a moment, because I I truly do love this card. I think it's beautiful, but he's so bewildered in this completely <laughs> new, uh, you know, clearly he lives there, um, but it just, you know. It just looks absolutely forlorn and for a long time uh, I kind of was had no idea what I was doing with my magic animations with what my career was going to be and I related to the humble brushwag because I you know you eventually you start to feel like a tumbleweed just blowing around with no footing no purchase no feet this I don't think we have any feet on this character <laughs> Uh, and so you're just kind of looking around and hoping you end up somewhere that makes sense to you. And uh, it hasn't happened yet for our, our friendly brushwag, but, you know, I like to think it all turned out okay for him. You know, I have to say that is the deepest anyone has ever gone and the most beautiful uh, thing anyone has ever said about a brushwag. I'll go deep for you. So Absolutely. I, I have, I'm going to read something. Um, this is from, it's a web game based on the mirage expansion for match of the gathering so this is super old i'm going from a link from the mtg wiki so i'm going to an old wayback machine site from the wizards website <laughs> um they describe a brushwag as a jamuran animal almost as big as a rhino which seems a heap of animated kindling a rhino i thought this was small i thought i yeah. guess if you look at the art it's no. as big as the trees, kind of. But those, yeah. Tre- yeah. I thought the trees were in the background, but maybe they're close. Where's Titus Lightyear right? when you well, need him better. with the birds for scale? Oh, His body man. is covered in oh, twigs, which make a characteristic noise when the animal moves. Despite it, yeah. Despite its size, a brush brushwag, a brushwag despises combat. Well, it is usually used as a messenger. In fact, it is a very intelligent animal since he, he is shown to be able not only to understand human speech but also to write messages by pawing in the dust even if in a confusing way of sort. That's amazing. I had no idea. My knowledge of the brushwag has quadrupled in the last two moments. I, that's beautiful. Well, yeah. welcome to Let's Remember Some Cards. Oh, I love it. So he, he paused in the dirt to oh give messages it, out. Is, oh, my goodness. Oh, that's and just this is so charming. good because this is literally, if you check this website, we'll have to show a link to this uh, Wayback Page website. It is like GeoCities to the max it's amazing <laughs> yes i love those uh, i would have had it's, a brush it's official wizard's slate. website this is like back in the day it's amazing mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway that's wonderful all right well at, at this point not all of modern horizons has been spoiled so we can still hold out for a brush wag um i'm hoping man yep. there's still time let's do it we go from the coolest thing in the world with brush wag 
What can possibly top and follow Brushwag? Well, there isn't much, but the Humble Brushwag does have a competitor for at least one of the most ridiculous pieces of art in all the world. My personal inspiration, my hero, the legend that is known only as, like Prince and Madonna before him, Joven. One word, that's all you need. Uh, yeah, from Homelands, an expansion known for all of its amazing cards, uh, stuffed with more legends than you can shake a brushwag at, I found this card. So this is, uh, we're getting back into my, um, into the, the early days when I played Magic. Everybody gets those shoe boxes just filled with bubble gum and magic cards and half of them are stuck together and you know it's an absolute mess because you don't take care of your cards when you're a kid and when I was coming back to magic and I said well I better go see what I had left I knew I had sold any good cards I had five times over you know the the best of the best were gone the best of I was down to the absolute bare minimum grizzly bears and nonsense and sure enough I had four or five Joven, and I pulled him out, and I'm looking at this guy, and just going, "This is incredible. This guy, you know, I, there's not much story. I'm sure you guys have probably more story than I know. Um, he's apparently got somebody named Chandler in his life. He's got his <laughs> arms folded, but the guy liner is so strong with this guy. I mean, he could be in your your glam rock band tomorrow playing drums." And nobody would, would bat an eye. I, I absolutely love it. And uh, they continued the glam rock theme with Yogmoth. I just posted today, you know, Joven possibly handing the guy liner right over to the, you know, immortal planeswalking demon from all of Magic's history. I, don't, I guess he's a human, but yeah, so... Joven just spoke to me. Uh, yeah, and he's outside of what is it, Snarg's House of Sin? Like, there's literally nothing that you you can comment negatively about this guy. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, based on this description, you have to go to Scryfall and look at the art. It is just J O V E N. Please mm -hmm. go look at it immediately. So he is three red red for a three three, legendary human rogue, and he has an ability. Red, 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 tap, destroy target non-creature artifact, which I assume means just stare at it with your eyeliner until it explodes. <laughs> exactly. Some The original printing just says summon legend, which is yes. all you need because right. he's a legend. And he actually is such a legend that all the other legends should have had to hand in their titles because there really is only one rising to the top. He, he <laughs> does have flavor text from his friend Chandler who says, Joven, you're almost as good a thief as I, but Aaron hates you even more. Of course, that's Aaron the Relentless. Uh, Chandler himself actually was a counterpart to Joven. He was four and a red, so also five mana for a 3-3 three, three human rogue. And he had red, red, red tap to destroy target artifact creature. So between Joven and Chandler, they were destroying artifacts and artifact creatures. Now, Chandler has a jaunty hat, but it's just nowhere near Joven and his amazing... Amazing eyeliner. Jovenness. Yeah. yeah. We can coin that phrase yeah. right here. Okay. Yeah. What do so you think? I'm gonna of this read card, something Christian? absolutely ridiculous. This is from this is from the lore. I love <laughs> Go for old it. magic lore because it's stupid and ridiculous. So he is apparently not only a master thief, but he's an excellent cat burglar. Oh yeah. He's he like, so light and nimble. The guy yeah. who plays I mean, 
who's like um <laughs> he's basic could be like an over the hill singer for a hair metal band from the 80s is apparently an excellent cap regular it, mm-hmm, it defies yeah. expectation joven looks like vince neal let himself go right let's right, be real exactly i I always thought that uh, Joven looked like uh, the actor Ethan Suppley. If you know <laughs> okay, who that is, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I know who it is now that you you pull it up. Sure. Yeah, he uh, he was on like My Name Is Earl and Boy Meets World, and he was in Remember the Titans. Um, but I just picture like he could play this role if he just put on eyeliner and grew long hair and was totally Absolutely. ridiculous. Um, he's also I should note uh, there's great synergy with Brushwag because. <laughs> He Joven has ferrets. Joven's ferrets was a card to Yeah, land, which is absolutely the only ferret in Magic history. Yep. So also one of. Yep. Also one of. And Beautiful. then he also had tools. Joven's tools. Now check this card out. This is an artifact for six mana. Six. Six. And you could pay four and tap it. And target creature can't be blocked this turn except by walls. So it's like a rogue's passage. You have to pay six, <laughs> six mana for <laughs> And Lowlands was trash. Look at these janky tools. What has he got there? I mean, he's got like a spatula. He's got some gar- barbecue grill tongs. Uh, what, how's this? He bra- he's breaking in and, you know, doing a rack of lamb. I don't know. It's well, ridiculous. It's crazy. And, of course, in the flavor text... On Joven, Chandler mentions that Aaron hates him. Mm-hmm. And in the flavor text on Joven's tools, it's from Aaron the Relentless, and it says, If that thief Joven ever shows his head around here again, make sure he leaves without it. So you can't say they weren't consistent. Aaron literally hated him enough it to literally want to decapitate him. him. So, absolutely. I kid you not, I would say something stronger, but we're PG uh, podcast. He took Aaron the Relentless's Ebony Rhino. Ebony Rhino is seven mana for a oh, no. four or five trampler. He stole a rhino yes. that's made of ebony. That like, I believe, actually. How? how? I don't get it. <laughs> what I'm learning from this conversation is that all of these terrible Homelands cards were very well tied together. Mm. And i, I got to read you the flavor text from Ebony Rhino, because it's perfect. It's from Chandler, because of course it is. And how can you mention Chandler without thinking of Chandler from Friends? Anyway. That Rhino would fetch us a tidy sum, Joven. Perhaps it's time to make it ours. And guess what? Joven did it! He made it theirs. What was the room of people putting <laughs> these cards together? What was going on? You probably opened the door and you couldn't see through the haze. I mean, they're just... Okay, so Joven, they're going to get the Rhino. Yep. And shout out to Douglas Schuler who had to paint all these cards. Just one of the most prolific, uh, amazingly well-respected artists in the history of the game. Yep. He's done, he did yes. everything. I mean, no joke. I'm not dogging on the art. It's just amazing. It's so much fun. Uh, I mean, it's a beautiful piece of art. His, his, his muscularly sort of... Are they muscle? Is it pure fat? Who knows? They're they're beautifully backlit, and uh, you can clearly read the House of Snarg sign behind it. You know, I love it. I just I'm obsessed with this card. It's now my magic goal to find out what the art description that was given to Douglas Schuler was that for Joven. Did it no, no. the eyeliner? I think the eyeliner was it a had note. to have had something. They got the art back, and they're like, no, no, no. Yeah, was... this just looks like a this looks like a bodyguard. We need to show he's bad. He's badass. And when you put island, <laughs> yeah, it's not magic enough. Right. Put some tribal eyeliner. So 
another just you know I occasionally make little things to get some stuff going on Twitter and and uh, speaking of the signature spellbook when the signature spellbook Jace came out I took it upon myself to make Joven's signature spellbook <laughs> so I literally took and I'll have to send this yeah. I, you guys haven't seen we'll, this we'll link to it okay yeah. but yeah I took I took the box art for the thing. And took Joven and literally just... I spent too much time on it. You know, I shifted it to red. I changed all the text. Because I can do all the things that wizards can do. So I made it look perfect, like an actual product. And literally, it was eight <laughs> randomly inserted Jovens. I didn't even include the tools or the ferrets or anything. It's just Jovens and one random foil Joven. <laughs> so you got the Joven. And, uh, you know, Aaron Forsyth was like, Oh, you should have put the... So he commented, you know, you should have put the tools... Mm. Whatever, dude. You know, it's like it, it did. People thought it was pretty funny. So, I would stab Jovan. my grandmother mm, for a foil. Yeah, Jovan. Grandma, you're on the chopping block because oh. I would I would do the same thing. Yeah, foil Joven someday. Maybe the proxy oh. guy will proxy us one up. Oh, so nice. That is literally the most anyone has ever talked about Joven for any reason. I'm just Absolutely. waiting for it to get placed on uh, Magic Online through a master set. I'm just saying we need to play Joven. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. Go for it. Well, it doesn't get any less ridiculous. From the sublime to the ridiculous. No, it was already ridiculous. We continue the theme. Another of my animated cards. I didn't animate Joven because what are you going to do? He's just standing there staring at you. But there is a heck of a lot going on with Jeff Miracola, who's a very nice guy, by the way. His immortal masterpiece, <clears throat> Bouncing Beebles. It is uh, from Urza's Legacy. So I had come across this card before and just always been a fan of the art. You don't know what they are. There's literally a, a naked butt in the card, so they're pushing the envelope already. Um, but this was one that took way too long because every little piece of it I sort of had to bring to life. So going from left to right across the card, the the guy uh, is, is kicking the other one off. So I had he's sort of falling. There's one that's stuck in a pot. I, I built, again, a particle system just like we did for the falling of the uh, fire in Anger of the Gods for the peoples pouring out of the, the trap door at the bottom. If you look really close at the art, again, which I did, there's a beeble rappelling down the side of the bookcase, so that had to be in there. There's two beebles arguing over some sort of magical implement. I know everything about this card because I've looked at it for hours on end. There's a beeble helping his other beeble friend up on top of the little thing that's sitting there. Uh, and then there's a couple of beebles watching over the whole scene. And every one of these I had to do something to. But, and that's the operative word, one of them, the one who's trying to get up onto the uh, the little piece down on the left, you'll, you'll look at the art and you'll know what I see, has one of the more clearly exposed butts on the card. Mm -hmm. And I literally just wiggled his butt. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do with him, so I just wiggled the butt. And one of the comments, the top comment, I think, on Reddit was, you just animated the butt on that one. And I said, sometimes in life... You just animate the butt, and that was the, that was the only response that I could muster for that. So it's one that I've been known for, and I again the ridiculous just speak to me. They're beebles, they're beautiful, and and I love this card. It's great. So bouncing beebles is two and a blue for a two-two beeble. That's right. What are beebles? You yeah. may ask. Well, they're beebles. Bouncing beebles can't be blocked as long as the defending player controls an artifact. And beebles are very weird. They seem when you look at the cards like. 
are these from an unset? Like, that's where they should exist. Well, indeed, there are as many unbeebles as there are black-bordered beebles. There are two of each. Mm-hmm. So this was a very weird time in Magic. You know, the Urza's block, they decided we're going to do a bunch of <laughs> things that are overpowered and broken forever. And also just some, like, little <laughs> dudes showing their butts. It's like Magic <laughs> version of the minions. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the foil of this card is is just legendary. All those all those uh, Urza's cards are are so beautiful. But yeah, yeah, bouncing beebles. Uh, it just speaks to me. You know, they're what are they doing? They're, why are they coming in for this party in the in the room? And their other cards, they're in similar scenes of just absolute mayhem. One of them, they're getting eaten. I'm pretty sure, which oh is just God. terrible. They're they're in a in a pot. There's another beeble card, and we're gonna have to find this, and we may have to. We may have to look for it a little bit. Uh, you are correct. Right here. That is the card Saute. Saute, yeah. So not an actual Beeble card, but the poor Beebles, they've got them in a walk, and uh, it's an un, what, unhinged un-something. Unhinged, yeah. And, and <laughs> they're, being, they're being eaten, and one of them is, like, trying to escape. Some of them are dead. It's terrible. They actually, on a blackboarded magic card, on bubbling Beebles, they reference that they eat them. Baron... Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, Baron, so that must have been Baron why. Baron is pissed that his wife, Chancellor Rain, canceled the animal Beeble roast. And he's like, gun divorce the woman. And you're like, wow. Wow. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's all it took was canceling the Beeble roast. So, yeah. so, yeah, the card you're referencing, Saute from Unhinged, was one red red for an instant that deals three and a half damage to a creature or player. Mm-hmm. But the flavor text is uh, selecting the proper Beeble is key to a good Saute. The pinker the fur and the hardier the yelp, the more <laughs> succulent the Beeble will be when you pop it in your mouth. And it's, of course, from Asmoranicar Decadis Decadis I. That's as good as I'm going to do. The Underworld Cookbook. Absolutely. Yeah, it's terrible. And also, the poor Brushwag card references the Brushwag's getting eaten. I don't know what it is. Nobody's trying to eat Jobin. We've got that going for us. But uh, these poor creatures that I love, they're always being consumed. I'm just something wrong with the world. Well, how are they going to eat Jovan? He's a master rogue. Yeah, he, he slip away on his giant rhino. <laughs> on his ferret with his ebony rhino. Yes. They started an equilibrium. Oh my god. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're they're really all over the place. Well, I'm going to have to update Scryfall's tagger. Yeah, you really are, because there's quite a lot. I'll know at the moment yeah. I see it, you can go pretty quick. That's all I have on the, uh, the beautiful little beebles, but... Um, now we're going to turn to a personal card of mine that uh, that I, I had no idea the history of, the greater context of. Um, but that's Lynn Civy, Defiant Hero, you know. And this this was a white card that was in the deck that I first put together that made sense. And what I mean by that is when we all start playing Magic, you put together, especially if you're younger and you come into the game with your friends and you're just getting together, you know, mom's upstairs putting pizza rolls in the in the toaster, <laughs> you know, in the oven. You, you just put every card that you have that looks even remotely interesting to you in your deck. And I had a fortunate enough to have a good friend who lived across the street who wanted to play Magic with me. And uh, he's studying to be his doctorate today. And he realized some of these cards work better when you put other cards in them that sort of do the same thing. So Lin Sibby is a creature type rebel and you can use her to go and get the other rebels. And once my friend started putting together decks that had like Phyrexians and other things that made sense, I realized I needed to do something similar. So 
Lin Sibby was the first card where I said, okay, that makes sense to my little brain. I can find other rebels, put them in, and then my deck will work better than just being a, an absolutely giant pile. So Lin Sibby always sticks out in my mind from my early days of playing Magic as uh, just the, the queen bee of the rebel deck, and uh, I had no idea that she was absolutely <laughs> broken and had to be banned and all the other things that I learned later about how great this card actually was. Um, and I'd, I'd love to, I'm sure you guys can enlighten me to the scourge of, of the actual Rebels deck. Oh, yeah. But, uh, so what a fun I'll, card. Read, I'll read this one because this is, a, this is my bay. Uh, Lin Sivy Defiant Hero is one mm-hmm. white, white for legendary creature human rebel. I should just copy and paste what I said last week. Um, X tap, search your library for a rebel permanent card with converted mana cost, X or less, and put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle your library. And three, put target rebel card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library, and Lin Sivy is a 1 3. Uh, yeah, she's really good. Yeah, as Christian alluded to, we talked about her last week in episode 37. She was number 8 on our top humans list, in part because she was so busted in block constructed. She just did crazy things. And <laughs> Christian, you went pretty deep last week with Eli on what Lynn Sivy did and how busted she was. So I did a little research about that on the Rebels and the anti-Rebels tech and dove pretty deep. And so what I learned was at Pro Tour New York, which is in 2000... It was also known by players as Pro Tour Lin Sivy. Forty-three percent of the decks were Rebel decks, and I had that no means idea. they were basically playing yep. four Lin Civies. I love it. Um, people were playing Voice of Truth in the main in these decks. Voice of Truth is not a Rebel. Voice of Truth is three and a white for a two-two flyer with protection from white, <laughs> because they knew they would be facing so many Rebels decks with white cards in them. Mm. Wow. Uh, they just wanted the pro white. The only reason that Rebels did not win first place at this Pro Tour is because there was a mono blue deck designed to beat Rebels that won first. That mono blue deck took first. There was another one in the top eight. The other six decks were all Rebels decks. Unbelievable. Look at that. Yeah. And the deck to beat Rebels literally played Counterspell, Daze, Gush, Thwart, other removal spells just designed to deny any board presence to rebels whatsoever. Rising and then waters. Maybe kill you with a two power creature. Yeah. That was it. I love it. Yeah, it was uh it was stunning and a dark time and why Lin Civi was uh not allowed to continue yeah. in the block constructed format. But in Jefferson City, Missouri, where I grew up, yes. in my little basement with my friends. It was not a scourge because I was not very good at playing Magic, but I had Rebels and I had Lin City. Yeah, I mean, life was pretty as long good. as you had fun that's with nice. it, I think that's the mm-hmm. thing, right? It's it's interesting how Wizards will you'll ban a mm-hmm. card, but people will be like, ah, I don't see what the problem is, and this is exactly it, right? Like you, it was perfectly fine at your kitchen table. It's just when you get three hundred other people yeah. in a room to uh, try to win twenty five thousand dollars, <laughs> all of a sudden it becomes a problem. When you maximize it and you have access to all of the cards that you can play with it, where yeah. four of it makes a lot of sense, yeah, well, it pretty turns bad. out that's probably pretty broken. Yeah, the whole concept of putting four of a single card in my deck, that was an early concept that just escaped <clears> me. <throat> like, what? Uh, four? The... Uh, okay, I guess then I'll find it again. But yeah, I just loved it. And and it's it's also special to me because when I started playing Magic again in 2015, when I came back to the game that launched all this nonsense I've gotten myself into, I went to Friday Night Magic, met some friends. As we all know, the gathering is the best part of Magic, I think. Um, and uh, made some good friends and, and 
the first weekend I had everybody over to my house, this little random playgroup are now some of my best friends. Uh, one of the guys, Craig, shout out, thank you, brought me a Lin Civy. And I said, hey, man, I heard you talking about Lin Civy. That was your card back in the day. Of course, I'd sold everything 15 times over. Mm-hmm. It's not worth very much, but it meant a lot. You know, here's a Lin Civy. Still have it. Absolutely love The foil love is like 30 bucks, which I didn't realize. That blows my mind. Yeah, well, I think it's just got a lot of history to it. Oh, it's beautiful yeah. art by R.K. Post, one of the most prolific. I mean, come on, Unmask. He's at all the Magic Fest, so I've gotten to talk to him quite a few times. He's done some beautiful cards yeah. and, and Lin Civy right up there. Moving right along, firmly rooted in the... Uh, again, we're, we're talking about Urza's cards, so... Um, I'm going to bring to, to the list in the, uh, I believe, the number six spot is Masticor. And this is a card um, that, again, I have zero frame of reference for the context of how this card performed in the greater magic world. Was it played? Was it not played? Did people like it? I have no clue. But to me, this was a cool card. This was a big old 4-4 that did stuff, and I could regenerate it, which I knew was pretty good, and I loved it. But the story with this card, why it's really special to me, is when I started playing Magic as, as, a, young, as a young lad, mom and dad, as, as most mom and dads do with their kids, they, they take a passing interest. But if it's something so far out of their realm of context, it's hard to really get in and go, yeah, I have some idea what's going on. So you get a lot of that's nice, and, you know, you come home, hey, Mama beat him with Masticor and Lincivian. <laughs> the Phyrexians <laughs> were coming, but then I held them up. And, uh, you know, you, you get a lot of that. Um, you, they just call it, kind of go with it. But I was, I was on a family trip, and we went into a card shop, and uh, I'm showing Dad magic cards. Hey, Dad, check out this magic card, you know. That's cool, and here's Black Lotus, and it's probably $100 at that time. It's nothing, you know. Maybe it's a little more, and, you know, why is it so cool? And, you know, it's it's clear that they didn't have any idea what was going on, but I said, do you, do you want to get a do you want to get a card? And, yeah, they have Masticor, and, and uh, th- they have two of them. And, uh, and my dad, God bless him, he bought me a couple of Masticors, and they weren't cheap. I think they were like 10 bucks or something each, and... Um, you know, it's, it wasn't a lot and, but he's, I just put myself in his shoes of going, I get the Game Boy, you know, you can sit there and play the game. I'll buy you Donkey Kong. Cause I, I understand that I have some frame of reference for this, but the, the cardboard, you know, with the crazy pictures and the text, what is this? But sometimes the most important thing you can do as a parent is to just show a little bit of an interest and, uh, so this card is on my list because as I approach uh, fatherhood coming up in August, which I'm slightly terrified of, I think back to the uh, the lessons of my own father and, and showing an interest, although it will be many years before my, my son-to-be can cast a manticore, uh, that, that showing an interest in, in what they're into is, is sometimes the best thing you can possibly do. That's a great story. It certainly dwarfs any of the competitive importance of the card. Um, <laughs> I will tell you, as somebody with a seven-year-old daughter who, when she was six, got interested in what game we were playing at the table, yeah, and kept yeah. coming up to the table and saying, hey, can I have that card? You know, has, has shown a real interest in the game and, and being able to share that. Yeah. My parents certainly never understood anything about the game until Nothing. I mentioned last year that I had sold some cards I had from back of the day, that, you know, for several mortgage payments. And they were like, oh, well then, <laughs> I guess I'm glad you hung on to those. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So Masticore itself is uh, four generic mana for a 4-4 artifact creature Masticore. 
At the beginning of your upkeep, you had to sacrifice Mastercore unless you discard a card, but you could pay two generic mana to deal one damage to target creature, or two generic mana to regenerate Mastercore. So it was basically an unkillable 4 4 for 4 that mowed down every other creature on the board. Mm-hmm. This card was incredibly competitive. It was. Yeah. Oh, good. It won Worlds in both 1999 in the hands of Kai wow. Bude and in 2000 in the hands of John Finkel. In, the German in, juggernaut. That's right. Uh, two of the greatest players of all times mm-hmm. played it in entirely different decks. The only common thread was they both played Mastercore. So, that is cool. Yeah, certainly a very competitive card. We've seen a few Mastercores in Magic history. There was a Molten Tail Mastercore, a Razor Main Mastercore, and they have recently spoiled a Lesser Mastercore in Modern Horizons, um, <laughs> yeah. which is a 2-2 two, two for 2 that as an additional cost to cast it, you discard a card, and you can pay 4 to deal 1 damage to target creature. That card also has Persist. So much worse than the original Mastercore oh, yeah. shows you how powerful and the they've, card uh, was. Right, right, right. The discarding a card every turn was really tough, but, yeah. you know, um, them's the beats if you want to be able to be competitive with it. Yeah. I just loved it. it. Yeah, you couldn't kill it, because oh. once you had the two mana, good luck, buddy. Yeah, and what do you need to, you know, hold a card in your hand for if yeah. you're just killing their creatures and attacking with a 4 Just attack in. Yeah, lots of fun. Oh, it's too bad they changed the art in the new... The newer garbage v- version of it. No, I'm not into that. Yeah, so it had the original art. It was reprinted. They did new art for from the Vault Relics back yeah. when they Who is decided. That? Oh, Stephen Belindian. I'm yeah. sorry, Stephen. That looks like a Muppet. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. It's a weird Muppet. But yeah. it looks like Grover, you know. Um, Mastercore is on the reserve list, but that was back when they decided that they could do certain foils. Judge promos and from the vault okay. that were not on the reserve list, so they've changed oh, that. So no, 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 no. You could we go back to Urza's Destiny and spend, <laughs> you know, four or yep. five bucks to get an original one. Yep. The Paulo Parente art and uh, yeah, I have yeah. one. Well, we're nearing the end of the list, but we've got some heaters here, and I'm sure you're all a little curious why this one showed up at number seven. Slinvoda, oh, the Rising snap. Deep, an uncommon legendary creature from Dominaria. Now, it has been a long-standing thing of mine that I absolutely hate blue cards, and you can make of that what you will. I just never wanted to play with them. I didn't, you know, I don't get it. Why are you trying to stop what I'm doing? Let's just have a calm and, you know, orderly game of magic here where we both try to kill each other like civilized people. That's always been my mindset. But when I saw Slinvoda and, and, you know, diving a little deeper, hey, uh, into some of the other Leviathan, you know, the the Krakens, leave Merfolk off the list. Forget that that's even a, a piece of text on the card. The octopuses and serpents and all that. There are some really fun cards out there that you could play in a little format called Commander. And... You're not going to get anything done competitively. And actually, in Commander, you're going to lose every game. But they're huge, huge creatures. And it's just fun to play that kind of battle cruiser kitchen table magic. So this is my pick to represent uh, my love for the Commander format. Because I, I put together a Slim Voda. And I, I refer to him as Slim Vodka. Okay. You know, because the card itself sounds like something that a, uh, you know, Beverly Hills housewife would come up and bring on Shark Tank, <laughs> you know, pass me a Slim Voda, you know. Uh, the Rising Deep, it's just a great card. So, you know, you put all your other giant silly uh, Leviathans, all, uh, there's some really fun ones. A lot of them come into play and bounce stuff and... 
you know, the bouncing thing isn't as good as the killing thing. <laughs> so it's just it's just fun to play big dumb blue creatures, and uh, it's a goal of mine to get the um, to get the card altered to have a big old bottle of Svedka vodka right there in place of Slin Slin Voda, because that would you know that would just really put it all together. But Commander has been become the casual format that I enjoy the most, uh, having come back to the game, played Standard, played Modern, played Legacy even, and I, and I love all those formats, but getting together with your buddies and playing big dumb creatures is still pretty much the most fun thing you can do in Magic, in my humble opinion. So, uh, presenting at number 7, Slinvoda, The Rising Deep. I think that's fair. Personally, I always thought that Slin Voda sounded like a B-tier Star Wars bounty hunter. Okay, will the real Slin Voda please stand yeah, up? I like it. That's right. Yeah. But I, I like the name. No disintegration, Slin Voda. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, Slin Voda, the Rising Deep, is six blue-blue for an 8-8 eight, eight legendary Leviathan. It has kicker for one and a blue. Uh, when Slinvoda enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, you return all creatures to their owner's hands, except for merfolk, krakens, leviathans, octopuses, and serpents. So this is the deep creature text, uh, previously seen on Quest for Ula's Temple and Whelming Wave. Oh. Uh, Quest for Ula's Temple is a single oh, yeah. blue for an enchantment from World Wake. I have that. That, yep, at the beginning of your upkeep, you could look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature, you can reveal it and put a quest counter on Quest for Ula's Temple. And then at the beginning of each end step, if there are three or more quest counters on Quest for Ulu's Temple, you can put a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent creature from your hand onto the battlefield. Whelming Wave similarly goes very well with Slinvoda, uh, a sorcery for two blue-blue from mm -hmm. Born of the Gods. You just return all creatures to their owner's hands except for, again, Krakens, Leviathans, Octopuses, and Serpents. So I'm hoping that this is a trend that continues yeah. and we get more cards that care about the like deep creatures of mm -hmm. magic. I love it. And notably on Whelming Wave, all the merfolk leave the battlefield. Because yes, you do. didn't put any in your deck because you were a good human being. Yeah. But all the ones that may have found their way onto the table, they're gone. Bye! We'll see them again probably next turn. But at least yep. for one turn, the board is, is clear of all those little fishies. Whew. Before I built myself a, what is functionally a clone tribal mono blue commander deck, I long considered oh a Whelming Wave commander deck mm -hmm. where that was the real commander and the deck was basically just giant creatures and ways to find Whelming Wave and bounce everyone else's Oh, I stuff. love it. Well, let's put them in Oathbreaker. Let's yeah. do the Slinvoda oh, Oathbreaker okay. deck with Whelming oh. Wave where it's the signature spell. Oathbreaker format I've yet yeah. to try. It looks pretty sweet. Do you have sweet. a favorite right. Leviathan? I would be into that. Besides um, Slinvoda? Yeah, um, hmm, that's a good question because, see, pull them up here. I'll, I, I couldn't name it off the top of, right. uh, but I, I'll definitely I'll definitely tell you. Um, we're just going to take we're a gonna... quick break to Creature Search Leviathan. <laughs> Leviathan, here. as you do. Yeah, I, I love the creature type Leviathan. Okay, so there's some good ones that all... Um, it all come in. I love uh, Inkwell Leviathan is so cool because it's got Shroud. It just comes, you know, comes in. Oh, it's got to be uh, the Pearl Lake, okay. Ange Lake Ancient mm -hmm. because that card, I remember you were always afraid of that because, you know, when I played Standard, which was around the time Kanza Tarkir was going on, I'm going, I got to kill him before they flash mm -hmm. in that Pearl Lake Ancient because once the Pearl Lake Ancient comes down, it's not get going anywhere, you know, and, and everything, uh, you know, you, you can't kill it. So if, even if you manage to get together enough removal, they just go, oh, I returned three islands to my hand, and and it's fine. So, yeah, that's uh, 
That's a nasty one. But there, look how many fun ones there are, you know, that are just, they're all sort of leaping out of the water yeah. or doing exciting things. Um, I'm pretty sure there's some, some really terrible ones, like five mana for a 3-3 three, three island walk. <laughs> yeah, so I remember Segovian Leviathan from back in the day. Uh, you know, that was so sad. And then in the next set, you had Leviathan. Actual Leviathan, which is so Nine weird. mana for a 10-10 trample that's also terrible, it turns out. But Segovian Leviathan was just so disappointing. It's like, hey now, I'll defend Segovian Leviathan. Yeah. I think it's adorable. Um, there's a call out in, in that they just spoiled in Modern Horizons where it's the Segovian Angel, and the whole thing is Segovia is small creatures. So they're all little adorable tiny things. Like, come on, how do you not like that? It's like um, Gulliver Travels almost. I'm just saying, and this doesn't betray anything about me personally, or does it, but I could do without the flavor text from the Bible. I'm glad Agreed. that we yeah. moved away from <laughs> real-world flavor Agreed. text. Yeah, completely, of, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But, you know, it's magic. They've got some good ones. You can actually win... So again, I have only I've never won with this commander deck because it's too too terrible. But Stormtide Leviathan that mm. turns all all lands into islands, and then creatures that can't without flying or island walk can't attack. If you can play this card, you can actually stall the game for a little while and you know try to build up something to do. Um, so there there are Leviathans that actually get yeah. in there and do a thing or two. Well, uh, all good. Things must come down to the final card, and um, you won't have a hard time imagining this one coming in at the number eight. Last, but certainly not least, my favorite magic card of all time, and to me, the only perfect magic card that has ever been printed, Fireball. And I'm going to read this one. It's red and an X for all the damage that you can pay for at any target that you want. That's not actually <laughs> what it says, but... Um, this card embodied magic to me. I also play an enormous amount of Dungeons and Dragons. I, I've played Dungeons and Dragons much longer than I have magic, and and it embodies all the things uh, you know of keeping being friends and you know working together. And and everybody who plays a wizard knows that you want to get to I believe it's level four to get your fireball because that's the powerful spell in the early game and um, blow the whole room of stuff up. So when I started playing Magic and I saw Fireball, I thought, okay, this is a game I can get behind because literally as much as you can pay for, they will let you send directly at somebody's face and there's nothing better than, you know, flipping the, the Fireball at the last turn before they're about to kill you and just burning him out. And there have been many Fireball reprints throughout the years and many great moments in top decking where just that thing has happened to uh, send the last point of direct damage over. So it was all those things when I was a younger person. It, it was just uh, red, my favorite color, obviously. Um, put as many of those as they'll, they'll let me into the deck. And then, um, you know, as I became an adult and, and came back to Magic and it ended up reshaping my whole career and I went to work for Channel Fireball, uh, it took on even more significance because, uh, of course, of the combo that we're named for, you know, Mountain and Black Lotus and Channel and Fireball. And, uh, and it's just my favorite card, bar none. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely classic. So... 
Um, you can just direct it to the face. You can also hit some creatures. The original text was, you know, as Jeffrey mentioned, X and a red for a sorcery. It costs one more to cast for each target beyond the first. So you can split it among multiple targets. Right. And it deals X divided evenly between those targets. I mean, I feel like most fireballs have just been cast to the face. Yeah. Right. You get enough mana and you do it. You don't really want to deal with anything they're doing. You just want to send it across and send yes. them to the grave. Um, my personal favorite version was the beatdown box set version mm. because it's extremely complex. The mana cost is X Y red. <laughs> what? And I've never Fireball seen this. Deals X damage divided evenly, rounded oh. down among Y plus one target creatures and or players. So it's a better mathematical way to get at what it does that is less confusing. But, but you put X and Y in the casting cost. It's the only. It's no. the only card with <laughs> yeah. Y in the casting cost. Yeah, no, right? uh, there might be another one, but I don't think so. Yeah, it's just beautiful. The the art from Mark Tadine, you know, just one of the classic magic artists coming across. There's no hope. It's a fireball. It's over. Uh, I, I just it it embodies all of the good things about magic to me. It truly feels like this this card is is magic incarnate. I agree. I have to say, I was a little disappointed when they went away from the Mark Tadeen art. Mm -hmm. There is another, there are two other arts. There is one from Dave Dorman mm -hmm. that showed up in Darksteel that is also a giant fireball. There mm -hmm. is a Magic Player Rewards mm. full art, also from Mark Tadeen. Oh, yeah. And this one I've right. animated. Yes. And so we can, yeah, that, that one, uh, I didn't do, uh, I did kind of a... Uh, um, Cinemagraph, where it's yeah. just animating right there, forebodingly pulsating. Forever forever <laughs> waiting to crash. To crash, yes. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the Arena League promo version from 1996. Oh, boy. Because That's... it has a person in it. Not It's not no. just a fireball. And, What's going on? And just why? Look at the hair on that. That's, yeah. that's bizarre. Well, that was a fail. Um... Yeah, they tried to ruin it, it looks like, a couple of times with silly art and adding more math than any human being should ever have to deal with. Uh, but still, in essence, printed in alpha. That's right. The original and still the best. Still the best. Fireball. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm a huge fan. And, uh, you know, getting back to Channel Fireball, I promise I won't do a huge push. But the company has meant a lot to me and it, and it is now my day job and... And, uh, you know, we, I try to, uh, put fire into pretty much everything we do cause it's kind of our brand and, mm -hmm. and how lucky am I that, you know, cause what if I had ended up at, uh, channel yes. I, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have a job first Ooh. of all, but <laughs> I'm sorry. Anybody who's listening who watches Merfolk, um, yeah, I'm going to be on the Fishing with Merfolk podcast, so check those guys out. Let's be real. Channel Merfolk is just no, going to the same time. works too well. It's like, oh, look, I can play this Pearl. four mana Merfolk for one. Yeah, mana, one three life, I what, guess. Right. What's the, the uh, ancient or Pearl Merfolk or the Pearl Trident yeah. or something? Yeah, yeah, that's just a single blue. No. That's not where you want to be. No, it's not where you want to be. Mm -mm -mm. No, no good. But uh, yeah, so so this is a this is a great card that that I've always been a huge fan of, and uh, well, that's eight cards, and that kind of comprises the Jeffrey Palmer, the Magic Community Animator and resident meme maker goofballs <laughs> signature spellbook. All right, well, those eight cards again were Anger of the Gods, Brushwag, 
Joven, Bouncing Beebles, Lin Civi Defiant Hero, Mastercore, Slin Vote of the Rising Deep, and Fireball. What a great list. list. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, means a lot. It was so much fun going through them all with you guys. I, each one kind of has a personal story. There are, you know, many silly ones, but the silly with a purpose. You know, they, right. they've all come into my life at a time um, where, where they influenced me or, you know, I, I changed my perspective. And I hope that uh, in listening to the stories here, you've gotten a better idea about the uh, the kind of person I am, and I don't think, take things too seriously because at the end of the day, we're we're uh, playing with pieces of cardboard, which is right. still hard to believe that this is something we we actually get to do. And and I hope the game lives forever. And you know, Same. long yeah. long live Magic the Gathering. All right. Well, new tagline for this exactly. podcast: silly but with a purpose. A lot silly but with a purpose. Absolutely. So, Jeffrey, where on the internet can people find you? Yeah, the best way to find me is on Twitter. I um, I'd love if you gave me a follow uh, at um, at Living Cards MTG, all one word at Living Cards MTG. Um, I I really don't have a site. I don't uh, post things to anywhere. But Twitter is, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of just where I like to post post my new things. Um, I can post about uh, if I'm going to make appearances uh, on people's shows or, or things that are going on. And um, I can keep people into things that we're doing with Channel Fireball when we've got so much stuff coming up. So uh, definitely, well, if you want to follow me and follow what's, what's happening, and, and there's links on there to all of my older work. You can see everything that, that came before. I, I don't animate as much anymore. It's something that I wish uh, that I had more time to do. But when I do, it goes on Twitter first and only. You know, if something goes on Reddit, then uh, it's late at night. Maybe I've had a bottle of wine and I'm <laughs> going to subject myself to that. But um, Twitter is is absolutely where you can look me up. Well, we will link to your Twitter account in the show notes as well as some of your animations so everybody can go. Uh, please check those out. Before we go, I just wanted to ask, is there anything, any particular card or artist that you want to animate something of in the future? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many um, that I that I want to do that I haven't done. Um, number one, Seb oh. McKinnon. I haven't done anything from Seb yet. I don't oh. think. But Seb, and it's a pick'em. You know <laughs> what, yep. what could you? Uh, there's literally nothing that man has done that I wouldn't say that would make an amazing animation. And I I have some saved. I have a couple cut up partially, but I just haven't had the time yet to put something together, um, but he is uh, incredible. And uh, one of my one of my cohorts on Twitter did his uh, bedevil and did a great job mm-hmm. with it. So it was, people are people are animating Seb's stuff, and uh, and uh, you know if you want to get into animating and give it a try, it doesn't matter. Just uh, you know, give give it your best shot, and uh, hit me up on Twitter. I'll take a look. I'll give you some feedback. I love looking at other animations that people have done in any kind of style, any kind of thing. Um, Cause it's fans. We're fans first. I was a fan for a long time before anybody ever uh, threw me a buck to, to put my animations onto their stuff. And uh, so it, it's a great way to express your love for the game. And, and uh, if you, if you got an interest in motion graphics or this and that, give it a try. It's really, it's really cool. That's great and uh, and very generous of you. You know, we are not so secretly a Seb McKinnon yes. fan podcast. Mm, mm-hmm. Just, Can I make uh, a request? Can you do answered prayers? That is uh, <laughs> oh, that is my favorite now. Yeah, it's amazing. What can you even say? I mean, 
this one I would I would absolutely not move any of the subjects. I, it would be all environmental and doing Ugh. the flowing cape and all that stuff. The problem with art that I find when it's so good, it's intimidating. It's like there's I can't even. It's it's like looking at a at a sculpture or something, and the, the it's already so perfect that even to chisel off one piece of it would you worry you'd ruin it. But so far, no artist has ever said you know you <laughs> you destroyed my artwork. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll take a crack at it. But yeah, it's crazy. All his stuff just needs to be hanging in a gallery and. He's a modern master. Him and Howard Lyon. Mm-hmm. Howard Lyon, just when he does his oil paintings, just looks like he's actually bringing things to life. It's a little scary because I know what it takes to digitally create depth, but he does it on a flat surface, and I don't understand it. The light and shadow and chiaroscuro of his artwork is unreal. Yeah, he's another one of those guys who's just an unstoppable monster. Like, what What are you going to do? Yep. Yeah. You just look for his next piece. Just hang on. So also before we go, I just want to note for our listeners on the Signature Spellbook front, we've talked a lot about Signature Spellbook Jace. Signature Spellbook Gideon comes out at the end of June 2019. Uh, and the highlight for me is it features a version of Blackblade Reforged from Dominaria with Richard, Richard Kane, Kane Ferguson. Ferguson art. Ooh. They got Richard Kane Ferguson to do his original style. He did the original art to Dak and Blackblade in Legends. So they brought him back for the Blackblade that is reforged for Gideon. And he was my first original favorite magic artist, along with Quinn. I have met him, and he is an absolute treat. Uh, I met him for about two seconds um, at a bar, and uh, he, I think, well, I was in, a little bit intoxicated, and I think he was as well, and he said he was a fan of my work, which I don't <laughs> think is possible, but uh, my friend said he should animate something of his, and he said, that's great, and we, I thought we were going to do this whole thing. <laughs> from since Richard Kane Ferguson if you're out there pick up the phone let's go but uh, yeah obviously an incredible Man, Richard Kane Ferguson artist. would be that'd be kind of hard to animate because it already looks very animated like his all of his art it's just like it's just blowing up I love it but um yeah we Lots both saw this happening. when it was spoiled yeah. and I think I texted uh, David being like oh my god Richard Kane Ferguson whoop, 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 whoop. like just went <laughs> just went nuts <laughs> RKF. Yep. Well, Mr. Palmer, thank you for joining us today. This has been a great episode. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter at RememberMTG or send us an email at RememberSomeCards at gmail.com. We would love your feedback, and please tell us what cards you want to remember. And until next time, don't forget to be animated, and don't forget to remember some cards. <laughs>